Amen, amen. Oh, y'all are wonderful. Will you pray with me? Thank you, God, for bringing us together this morning. Please bless our time together. And I ask that you would provide me with the words you would have me say to remind us all that no matter what anyone may say to us, your love and grace have been made available to all of your people for our good. Amen. Amen. The last three days have been three different holidays. The first one was Halloween, this past Thursday. And Halloween has always been one of my favorite holidays. And I know this is true for many other queer and transgender people. It is the one day out of the year that many children and adults can dress up as pretty much anything they want and still feel like they're included in part of the festivities. In fact, gender bending is accepted more on this day than on any other day of the year. As evidence, we have national television in drag. Maybe. <laughs> when it comes, it'll come. But Halloween, there we go. Three out of the five are in drag right there. This was this Thursday. Halloween is significant for me because it was the one holiday where I wasn't expected to dress up like a girl. So let me explain. You see, when I was born, I was assigned the female gender. However, after many years of finding out who I was, I discovered that being a female didn't quite fit for me. I am an out and proud transgender queer man. That feels so good, y'all. All right, back to Halloween. So Halloween was a holiday where I was allowed to intentionally dress up like a boy. And some of the costumes that I wore over the years included a leprechaun. There we go. Peter Pan. And a sailor ninja turtle. I share this excitement with Halloween with many, many transgender people who were very vulnerable and courageous enough to show up as their true selves for the very first time on Halloween. And yesterday was All Souls Day, a day where people of various faith traditions celebrate the lives of those who have gone before us. On that day, I remembered my Mimi, who passed away earlier this year. I remembered our queer and transgender saints who have made a way and gone before us, especially those who have died from AIDS-related illnesses, homicide, and suicide. It is fitting that the Transgender Day of Remembrance occurs in the same month as All Souls and All Saints Days. November is a month where we celebrate and affirm the lives of transgender people, many of whose lives have been cut short. The Transgender Day of Remembrance is a memorial vigil that occurs at the end of this month. It all started after a transgender woman of color named Rita Hester was murdered in California in the late 90s. The most moving part of these events is the reading of the names of every transgender person whose life has been taken since the last November that we celebrated the same vigil. We also hear about how each person was killed. Every year I go to a day of remembrance, I'm reminded that the overwhelming majority of our dead are transgender women of color. These murders are usually incredibly brutal, 
and it is hard to sit there and listen to how they were killed and left for dead and not to question my own faith. Those who have died usually have their dignity further stripped from them by the media who either choose not to run their story or who sexualize them or who use names and pronouns that do not honor them. It is not pleasant to be reminded in such a real way that so many people have been killed. It is easier to sit back and pretend that this is just not happening, but it is happening. And part of being an ally to the transgender community is becoming more aware of the struggles of our people. It is then that we can continue to make space for transgender people and to do what we can to create a world where everyone can be safe to express all of who they were created to be. I am proud to belong to this church that honors and celebrates the lives of all of God's people. At RMCC, trans people are included in multiple elements of our church. Something extra special that we're doing this month is a series led by a transgender community member, Lou Weaver, on Thursday evenings here at RMCC. I would like to invite you all to attend that series and the Day of Remembrance Vigil. That's going to be held November 23rd, that's a Saturday, at the University of Houston from 7 to 9 p.m. in their A.D. Bruce Religion Center. The third holiday that has just passed was in between Halloween and All Souls Day. That was All Saints Day. Now you have to know that I'm a product of 13 years of Catholic school education. Amen. <laughs> Although a few of the Catholic Church's teachings don't work for me, I still identify with most of the pillars of that particular faith. And one of those is asking the saints to pray for me. I first learned about All Saints Day when I was a little child in school in Beaumont, Texas. And we were taught that saints were holy people who had died, but they were very, very close to God, and they were always happy to bring our prayers even closer to God. And the feeling that I get from asking the saints to pray for me is similar to the feeling that I get when I ask people here on earth to pray for me. When it was time for my confirmation in the Catholic Church in the ninth grade, they said I had to pick a patron saint. And a patron saint is usually somebody that has particular meaning for your family or yourself. Can you guess who I chose to be my patron saint? You're right if you guessed Saint Joan of Arc. <laughs> a little background on Saint Joan. Um, she was a young French teenager in the 1400s, during the time when her country of France was at war with England. She was very devoted to her faith and spent hours and hours praying in church when everybody else in town had gone off to do other things. She felt that she had received a call from God to lead the French army in that war. Many people thought she was out of her mind. She said that she was told by God to dress up like a man in full battle armor and to cut her hair short. Now, in those days, that sort of gender bending was absolutely unheard of. There were severe consequences to St. Joan for her quote-unquote cross-dressing. She was actually eventually burned alive by the church. Of course, 25 years later, the church apologized, and they said they had made a mistake, and eventually they sainted her. I think that it was the spirit who guided me to choose her as my patron saint. 
At that time in my life, I was very unaware and ignorant about sexuality and gender. Tried to pretend I didn't have any of those. And I was in a lot of denial about who I was as a gendered and sexual person. I never expected to feel connected to St. Joan the way I do today. Her story is a clear example of how God chooses unexpected people and how God can use even a young, gender-bending teenager to inspire an entire country. In our readings today, we see yet another example of unexpected love and inclusion in the story of Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector in Jericho. Now, at the time when Zacchaeus and Jesus lived, tax collectors were despised not only because they collected the taxes, but they also took large amounts of money for themselves and no one could stop them because this practice was legal. Many tax collectors abused their power and were considered corrupt. So even though tax collectors were generally wealthy and high government officials, they were hated by the people in their towns. They were on the fringes of society. The story begins with Jesus passing through Jericho. When Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was coming, we read that he was trying to see who Jesus was. But because Zacchaeus was short, he wasn't able to get a good view in the middle of the crowd. I know what that's like. And he climbed up a very tall sycamore tree. These trees can grow up to 65 feet. Now you have to picture this grown little man in his expensive governmental robes climbing up this giant tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus. This would have been viewed as others as very childish. He took the risk of humiliating himself by climbing up that tree. Jesus sees Zacchaeus up the tree and calls him by name. He says, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. Considering Zacchaeus' status of belonging to a highly disliked and untrusted group and his small physical size, it's kind of surprising that Jesus would single him out and pick him over all of the people of Jericho to spend time with. By calling Zacchaeus by name, everyone in the crowd knows exactly who Jesus is addressing. This scenario is not just out of the ordinary because Jesus is connecting with someone who's considered undesirable, but it's also unexpected because people, just like today, back then, didn't, didn't generally just invite themselves over to other people's houses. So even though the town people thought that Zacchaeus was the last person that Jesus was associated, would associate with, instead, Zacchaeus was actually the one that Jesus insisted on staying with. When Jesus says, this man too is a descendant of Abraham, he affirms Zacchaeus as a beloved child of the Holy One, thereby including him as part of the family of God. Here Jesus goes again doing something scandalous. He, he, there's this crowd of people that believe that Zacchaeus is just this corrupt sinner, and they literally grumble at what Jesus is doing. They don't hide it in and kind of secretly judge. They judge out loud. <laughs> we keep learning about how scandalous this Jesus was. He touched lepers. He allowed women with bad reputations to not get stoned to death and even to let him wash their feet. And now this Jesus is inviting himself over to a tax collector's house. Over and over again, Jesus keeps showing up and teaching us how to love more and bigger and how to open ourselves up to getting out of our comfort zone, 
to love those people that we were taught did not deserve our love, including ourselves. So what happens next? Zacchaeus heard the grumbling of the crowd, and he ignored it. He climbed down the tree in his big old robes and was embraced by Jesus. In seeking Jesus, Zacchaeus realizes that Jesus is also seeking after him to let him know that he is included in God's family. All of a sudden, Zacchaeus finds himself in an embrace with the holy. And in that moment, he is changed. He is transformed. Jesus doesn't ask that Zacchaeus do anything before Jesus enters into his house. But even so, Zacchaeus, on his own accord, promises to give half of what he owns to the poor. And if, if, we don't know, if he has extorted anything from anyone, he will give back four times as much as he would owe them. This story undermines or underscores the key points that anyone, anyone who allows themselves to be vulnerable and who opens up to the possibility of being included can experience feeling seen, feeling welcomed, feeling wanted, and having hope. And this experience can change lives. It can save lives. Inclusion and connection are truly life-saving and holy actions, especially for those of us who are used to experience, experiencing perpetual exclusion and frequent negative remarks about who we are, how we love, and what we dress like. Inclusion has the power to heal the many wounds we have experienced from people who would judge us to be unhealthy or disgusting. In the midst of so many rejections and abandonments, we can take a breath of fresh air when we find inclusion, when we find our place at the table. And for me, inclusion is one of the best things about this church. I know that my spouse and I can come here every Sunday and receive communion together, no matter what. No matter what. It took me a while to actually get used to that idea because, as you know, my church upbringing was filled with messages about not being holy enough to receive communion unless you believed everything without doubting. You had to attend church every Sunday or you couldn't receive communion unless you went to confession first and on a regular basis. I remember when I first came here wondering if all of these ideas about God loving me and being included were really real. <laughs> Like this place was too good to be true. I was like, am I already in heaven? Hold on. <laughs> Truly, inclusion is a life-giving and life-saving sacred act. Let's see what happens when a transgender woman named Diana is included as part of a team. Try and look after Diana a little bit, just make sure that she's alright and you know, just want to try and help her grow into herself a little bit more while she's playing roller derby and help her gain a bit more confidence to try and you know, really develop and be the woman that you really should be.
so amazing to see Diana putting herself out there and being included on the women's roller derby team. In most places, including a transgender woman on an all-women's team would have been completely unheard of and unexpected. Let's see a little bit more. You see her dancing? Now that is a woman who has been transformed by the healing that comes with unexpected love, acceptance, and inclusion. In the work that I do as a psychology fellow and a therapist, I'm constantly bearing witness to the healing that comes when people feel a sense of belonging and feel included as something bigger than themselves. On the other hand, I also see what happens when people are not included whether it's because they were outright rejected or made unwelcomed, or they're self-isolating. In fact, feeling disconnected from others, feeling like we don't belong, actually increases the chances that we will start to feel hopeless and worthless, and puts us at risk for suicide and self-harm. Our community knows all too well the pain and reality of suicide. I want to encourage any of us who either ourselves or people that we know are experiencing feelings of wanting to kill themselves to reach out for help. Our pastors are here to listen and talk and our counseling partners are glad to provide a listening ear to help us all to be better able to live into the call to live life abundantly. And for times that we can't reach our pastors or our counselors, there are 24-7 LGBT-educated crisis hotlines available. And I would like everyone today to have that number in their phone, even if they don't need it for themselves, but if somebody they know comes to them. So let's all take out our cell phones. At least pretend you're doing this for me. Just <laughs> humor me. 713-529-3211. For our online listeners, that's 713-529-3211. This is the Houston LGBT switchboard. They also have all kinds of resources in the Houston area, not just for mental health counseling. So if you're new to the area, want to find out the different uh, places to go and places to be safe and fully you, this is a wonderful resource to have. Now, the issue of suicide is not just important to me because the, I'm a mental health professional. It is also important because the LGBT community is at elevated risk for suicide, especially our transgender siblings, who actually are at the highest risk for suicide of any group, hands down. And this also includes our transgender children and youth. There was a time where I was afraid of coming out to my parents and my faith community, and I even hid my relationship with my girlfriend from them, because I certainly did not expect that love would be their response. And later, there was a time after I transitioned to living as my true gender self, and my girlfriend left me to be with another woman. At that time, I did not believe that anyone would ever want to be in a long-term committed relationship with me because of my transgender status. I mean, 
I realize that most people who do not know me perceive me to be a gay man, and I'm actually not attracted to men. I know, right? <laughs> I'm attracted to female masculinity, and I was in a place where I didn't believe that it would be even possible for a masculine-appearing woman, someone I was attracted to, to actually want to be with me. And when Becca, my now spouse, first expressed interest in dating me, I almost couldn't believe it. And she would probably tell you she almost couldn't believe it either <laughs> because she had only dated very feminine women in the past. We're talking long hair, high heels, the whole get up. So here comes Becca, the most gorgeous gender-bending person around, and we both unexpectedly fell head over Birkenstocks in love with each other. <laughs> <laughs> Recently, Becca and I had an engagement party in my hometown of Beaumont, Texas, and my parents invited over 200 people to come, and these were my Catholic school teachers, priests, as well as my friends that I had gone to school with and their parents and families. These were all people who knew me when I was a little girl, and we had no idea who would even show up. We were surprised when over 100 people came, including the two priests from my church that I grew up attending. These priests came and hugged us and congratulated us. Talk about unexpected love. They were truly being Jesus to us. So this morning, we have seen the healing transformations that happened in Zacchaeus and Diana when they experienced unexpected love through inclusion. Inclusion is the birthplace of hope, and hope is the antidote to all of the pain that comes from not being seen, being told that we are less than, pretending, disgusting, deceptive, and not who God made us to be. Inclusion reminds us of our sacred worth and value that we sometimes forget. When we choose to love more, and practice the value of inclusion, we open our hearts and our lives to a new and bigger way of loving. In including whosoever, we see all people as necessary and important, even when we don't feel like we are. For when we feel fully included, it is then that we can experience true hope. It is then that we are reminded of what we already knew, that God's spirit lives in us, and we are connected to others through that same spirit. One of the reasons that queer romantic relationships have the potential for incredible sacredness is because of their unexpected love. This may not be the case anymore, but most people did not grow up expecting to fall in love with someone who shared their same gender. Just as Jesus broke through social and religious barriers to embrace Zacchaeus, Queer people also break through these barriers in sacred defiance to choose love and truth and life. Ours is an unexpected love. Our love is what Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life is all about. When it is time for communion today, it is my hope that all people feel included at God's table and feel welcome to receive the love and grace that God has waiting for all of us. May we come as all that we are, vulnerably seeking the holy, 
and realize that the Holy has already been seeking us this whole time, waiting with open arms to say, I have called you and you are mine and I want to spend time with you. And with this unexpected love and inclusion, may we truly be transformed. Amen.